Welcome to the Mad Pastors Podcast, the honest podcast for honest pastors, powered by G6 Allies, because everybody needs an ally. Welcome back, everybody. It's that time of the week again. It's hump day, which is also Mad Pastors Day. Let's rename it. We need a camel. It's not as good, though. Uh, Mad Pastor Day! Um, Mike, 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 Mike. Oh, gosh. That was, that's such a good... <laughs> that's a good commercial. Geico Solid. All right, well, hey, I'm, uh, I'm Ian Dunaway, and this is Michael Schaefer, and we are, uh, shoot, we're here to talk about ministry and everything. We're, we're mad pastors. We're mad at the condition the church is in, but we're also going mad because nobody's fixing it. So that's why uh, we're here. And so we've been doing a series uh, called Red Flags. And uh, so we're super excited to kind of continue going through that. It's a longer series, but it's kind of one that takes on a, a whole different view each time because we're hearing from, we, you've, I hope you've seen it. If not, go back a couple episodes and watch our two-parter with Dr. James Hawkins. Um, great name. Great name, James Hawkins. He could be Hawkman. That, that's his new name. He's going to be Hawkman. His nickname is Doc Hawk. Well, that, okay, that's cooler. Kind of um, a comic book name. Fair, yeah. fair. Uh, Doc Hawk. I got you, James. Uh, but either way, he uh, it was a great conversation with him. And so kind of, you know, red flags are their warning signs, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the reason this is a longer series is because this is such a big topic. And, and they're, they're so, so broad. There's them. so many different facets to it. Yeah. And and that's part of what we, we want to do is address it for we don't want to leave things out. We want right. to be able to cover all the various angles that uh, red flags show their ugly heads. and. Yep. So we've we've looked at uh, like personal how how to know when your pastor isn't okay or yep. when how a pastor knows when a church member isn't okay which we're gonna add to that today, today yeah um, uh, we're interviewing different pastors who are seasoned ministry professionals mm-hmm. in various fields student pastor yep. kids pastor worship all sizes whatever. and ranges of churches um, I mean everything and so we want to to be able to give you a broad perspective of hey these are some warning signs to look out for in ministry yep. these, these are things you need to recognize and some ways to respond recognize. to those and so uh, tonight today's is going to be a lot of fun um, we're gonna take we're gonna shift all the pressure off of pastors for a minute. <laughs> We've been doing yes. a lot of, you know, is your pastor okay? Is Are you okay? You need to do some self-evaluation. And now pastors get to do a little evaluation. Yeah, now, now we get to evaluate. Although it's still kind of pressure. There's, there's still quite a bit of pressure because yeah, it's, it's one of the uh, most, it's the most challenging part of any pastoral ministry role, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Uh, and that's volunteers. <laughs> You know, I, I heard a, it's, it's a very cheesy line, but I heard a, a pastor once say, anytime we would do volunteer training or anything, yeah. the first thing he would say is volunteers are good for nothing. Uh, catching the double meaning behind mm-hmm. that of they're good for nothing. They're doing this work for free. Right. But it kind of plays on that they're good. I don't nothing. think I'm many like, of yeah, the volunteers caught that. Probably not. They, they just kind of scowled at him when he would say it. They were triggered. I always found it hilarious, but I do know some who were good for nothing. So, yeah, uh, but the whole point is our volunteer ministry is is how the church oh, is sustained, right? It's that, critical. That's, that's yeah. without your volunteers, you don't have a ministry. Your ministry doesn't exist. You better be the slickest speaker and be able to clone yourself into all of your if you don't have volunteers. They are what? required. I mean, that's how the church is built. And yeah, designed, I mean, right? and, and I've known I've known pastors and have, and have thought this myself at, at times that, you know, ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. Right. <laughs> if, yep. if all I could do was, you know, sit and study and, and write sermons or, you know, plan out different discipleship strategies, mm-hmm. that would be great if that's all I had to do. But once you involve people in it, yep. it gets messy, it gets sticky, it gets dirty, it gets complica- complicated. Yep. I all of a sudden, but, but you know, that's life, right? That yeah. life involves people and people are messy and, and complicated. But the sad thing and is too, some pastors have essentially built kingdoms big enough for themselves that they don't have to get into that mess anymore. And they really, all they do is set and do that. And then, and so then you start Which is having, not, not where God wants us to be. No. And it's a, but you have a disparity where there, you know, standing up on a stage, even if let's say you had a staff of a hundred people. Even standing up on stage and just talking to your staff all the time, that's still not pastoring. It's teaching. It's important. Um, and so, you know, how, whenever we look at this, people and volunteers are the most critical part of your ministry. In fact, they are, 
um, more critical even than your pastors that stay or come or go because volunteers are part of the body that will continue to be there. And also, there's a lot of pressure on that in a, in a good way, but a lot of pressure and a lot of maturity that is needed to follow and to listen and to walk through that. And so, you know, I think, I think here's what, here's what I have felt the pressure of over the years. We've both been in different environments and I've been in a predominantly student ministry environment, which student ministry is like all volunteers, even like I had almost 500 kids in a, in a one student ministry about two, I was, I was responsible about 200 of them and, and about 40 leaders as well. And I was like, Hey, can I get a, can I get an assistant? No. Oh, okay. Can I get uh, somebody to help me? You can have an intern. Great. Somebody who's not out of college yet who I need to do important detail work. Yeah, that, that'll work. Okay. And so like you, you, it's hard to get people to do that. So you have to rely on volunteers uh, to do things. And, and honestly, volunteers are probably the most difficult and at the same time, the most joyful and rewarding parts of all the ministry that I've had. And I think... Yeah, I, th- I think some of the picking up on some of the language that we use here is important. Yeah. That we need, we need a mindset shift from I have to rely on volunteers yeah. to I get to work with volunteers. That's huge. Um, and so without without yeah. volunteers, your ministry does not exist. And yeah. so... I think let's, we shift to that, though, because... Like, I think the problem is that there's too, there's too much pressure often to either, whether it's self-imposed, but unless you're the head pastor, rarely is it self-imposed to, to grow bigger or to have more complicated systems. uh, And there's less pressure to grow deeper and have a more impactful ministry in a lot of places. And so I think that's, that's why it's easier to just allow you know, semi-healthy, teetering volunteers to to struggle and even cause problems. People will cause problems not even because they want to sometimes. It's because they're not in a place where they need to either be where they're at or they need more attention than you feel like you can give them. And so you find yourself constantly putting out fires rather than building things that are going to last, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, as we talk about this, um, one, we, if you are a volunteer in a ministry and you serve, thank you. Um, For sure. Please listen to everything that we're saying and be willing to objectively, as objectively as you can, evaluate where this is at in your life. And also pastors, um, we tend, I think we tend to be like Popeye when it comes to dealing with people. Um, we, we wait and we wait and we wait, and then we've had all we can stands till we can't stands no more. And then we and end then up, we eat spinach. Well, okay. <laughs> then we end up hurting people, right? We it gets into a brawl because we let it go so long that now it explodes, and that's a huge problem. We're going to talk about that, right? But we need to. That's the, Michael's one hundred percent right. We get to serve with God's people the same way that when God called you into ministry, you get to you know, invite it into His work. Not that he went, oh, gosh, Michael, I can't do this without you. Come here. (laughs) And, you know, God doesn't need any of us. And that takes a lot of pressure off of us to perform and gives us a lot of worth and value to to serve. And and so for for all of the great things that we have to say about volunteers and and I know, I mean, some some dear friends over the years have that have been just fantastic volunteers have they have mm-hmm. been the the shot in the arm that kept us going in ministry when yeah. when you're exhausted and ready to throw in the towel like hey ministry is not worth it I'm I'm done I'm out many many times it has been those key important volunteers who have come around you and have held yeah. your arms up and said we got this let's <laughs> keep going and so so grateful for volunteers and for the great work that they do mm-hmm. however there are times when things are not as peachy, right? Right. There no, are times no when volunteers are causing problems or or they're headed towards creating a problem either yeah. for themselves or for the ministry or for the church as a whole. At some level, there's, there's something wrong uh, yep. going on here, and we got to be able to recognize it and figure out what, how we can fix that, right? And let me tell you, I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it in this. I'll say it fits in every context. But you also might be in a situation, you may be inheriting a new ministry or have recently, and I say recently as in a year or two. I mean, that's pretty recent if you've jumped on to, sadly, it's like the tenure of a lot of pastors. But you've probably inherited a lot of volunteers, too. 
And one, you don't know their background. You don't know how they got there as much. But at the same time, you may, you're not necessarily, don't be taken on, like, I'm the cause of all of this. I did, but you are responsible to fix it in a healthy way and to identify in a healthy way. And so uh, as a pastor, and then also as a volunteer, I would tell you this, I'm like, Michael, I've had so many, some of them are G6 allies to this day. There's a lot of them that are from ministries from years ago that we've connected with that love us and believe in us. But um, the best volunteer you can be is one that, that loves and invests in and encourages your pastor first rather than seeing your own agendas or what you think should happen, happen. And so probably the every <clears throat> probably one in five conversations needs to be hey I think we should do this and the other four need to be hey you're doing great hang in there let's let's talk about this how can I help you and you just I don't I want you to know you just don't know how many negative conversations how many how much baggage how much spiritual weight your pastor is often carrying that's not a license to do things you shouldn't do it should be a, a reminder that you need to help shoulder that help. with them yeah, yeah. so Let's talk about recognizing. Let's recognize some some red flags. And so the way we wanted to present this to you, if you're a pastor watching this or Mm -hmm. or listening, and we want to help you be able to recognize some of these red flags. And and the way that we've chosen to go about this one is to give you a handful of questions that you should ask. Because sometimes, a lot of times we don't know what we don't know, right? And Mm -hmm. so you're not even sure what to look for until it's too late, and then you're like, Oh, oh yeah, that was that's a problem. I sh- I should have seen that sooner. Yeah. I should have recognized that earlier. So we wanted to give you a handful of questions that yeah. that you should. I mean, it's not like you're not scrutinizing your volunteers twenty four seven, right? That's sure. that's not the goal. But you are regularly kind of as you're mm-hmm. working with your volunteers and thinking about your ministry and and where things are at. You're asking these kinds of questions, uh, and there's many many questions that we're not going to have time to get into today. That you know. You can add to this, but this gives you a good idea of the direction that we want you to start thinking and, and some of the types of questions that you need to ask when it comes to your volunteers. And the Well, I would say, can, adding to, I just want to encourage a pastor as well, like some churches I've walked into and not a lot has had to change or we've just built from the ground up and gone there. But there, one in particular, and we'll hear some stories back and forth, but one of those churches in particular I found myself in a place where even the head pastor had even said this. And so there was not a lot of trust or health across the board. And I found myself going, okay, I'm going to have to tailor my system for a while. So don't be worried to shift an approach or a method short term in order to help ensure health in the long term. Yeah. So I remember I had to shift shift several parts of how I did ministry and did them tried to do them quietly and in good succession so that it didn't feel like a big jolt so that I could get keep an eye on everybody. And so uh, and just kind of evaluate and see and see what was going on because we had a lot of I mean from the week I got there started people started telling rumors about me. They never talked to me. But they all thought I was going to give alcohol to kids. And I said, where did you get that? And they were like, well, we don't know. Somebody else said it. And I was like, I'm not even talking. I've been here two days. And so things like that. And, you know, church is a is a festering pit of gossip a lot of times. And so, you know, it just I want to encourage you that sometimes you may need to do something different in the short term as you're evaluating this and be OK to shift some things in order to do what you need to do in the long term. So, yeah. that so makes sense. Well, I think. Probably the first question uh, that that you want to ask, and yeah. you can ask it a number of different ways, but mm-hmm. you, you want to try and identify, does this volunteer, do they align with the mission of the church? Right. Uh, or are they kind of promoting their own agenda, right? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe another way of asking it is to ask, how are they supporting the mission of the church? Hmm. And, and if and if you don't have an answer to that, yep. then that's that's a red flag. That, that's a that means that's something you need sure. to sit down with and, and talk through with them. But you need volunteers that support the mission of your mm-hmm. ministry, and it's very clear that they support the mission of your ministry. If if you're not sure, yeah. then you've got a red flag, right? Right. And I mean, you're talking about your you know your ministry, your church. Sometimes. I'll be honest, most people, too, that if they're against it, they will likely talk to you or you've got to pay attention if they're talking about you. Um, But I've had those moments where I've had to sit down. And and the sad thing is, you know, I think that 
we have to be willing to, this is, we don't live in a culture really that wants to engage in conversation or mutual, mutually beneficial conversation. And odds are, if you're having to deal with this, your volunteers won't either. That's where the burden is on you to make sure you're asking good questions and not getting offended. Okay. Like, I mean, Proverbs says that a fool is easily offended. And so to be able to say, I've sat down in front of people that have accused me of things and done that. And I said, okay. And they like, well, they ended up calling a meeting with me because they, I was the scourge of the earth. I'd been there two weeks, but I was the worst person of all time. And uh, I sat down and they, and it was two of them. And I appreciated that they came, but one of them just said, I don't agree with this building program we're doing at our church. And I said, okay. She goes, that's the mission of our church. I said, well, I don't know if the mission of our church is to build buildings. I said, I think the mission of our church is, and I explained the mission of the church and she, she continued to argue. And then, uh, one of them for a different reason was sitting across the table. And I said, she, she looks at me and I had said, I was kind of getting, trying to get excited. This group of kids were just dead. They had been beaten up and abused over time just by pastors in and out. And she goes, you're just so sacrilegious. I don't think I can let my boys be around you. And I said, why am I sacrilegious? And she said, because in worship, you said, you were just said, jack your hands up in the air and just, and just praise Jesus. And I said, okay, well, that's bad. And she went, why would you say Jack? I said, just raise it up. I don't know. And like, but it was at this moment that we started asking questions and I, you know, because it was a couple, it was women and it was a different gender. I had my assistant set in with me on it. So that's always a good thing, whether it's your wife or an assistant, if you've got somebody of the opposite gender. Um, but I, I remember asking these questions. And by the end of that conversation, I left knowing that they just didn't support anything of the church other than serving in a ministry, being in a, not even serving, just being in a ministry. But you don't want somebody to leave without exhausting all of those options as you discuss with them. Yeah. So I, I think you, you adding on to that, uh, another follow-up question mm-hmm. is, is to ask around, kind of around their identity. What What is it they're identifying with yeah. here? Are they... Are they Absolutely. identifying with your faith community and, mm-hmm. and they're submitting themselves to yeah. that community? Or are they identifying with, mm-hmm. hey, I need to I need to have a place of, you know, elevated status. I need to be in this kind of a volunteer role. This is all about me and the agenda that I want to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, are they are they serving Christ or are they looking to get something for themselves yeah. out of this? I and, think you see that a lot, especially depending on the ministry. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember having one person that, well, she, she kind of rolls into another side of it, but I remember having a, a leader who it was very clear from the get go. And I, can, I was, I, I, you need to meet with all of your leaders and we were newer to this church, but I even remember meeting with somebody I, years ago, I was in South Atlanta and there was a, I had a leader that led, so I did student groups, but I did them in homes. And there's a lot of, we had 12 groups all throughout a County and you can't be at every group. So you've really got to trust your leaders in a big way that, and, and this, this was one of the few leaders that i had had. And I started noticing that all the, the kids in our group started being like really hateful towards me. They wouldn't talk with me. They wouldn't. And so I kind of started asking around to them, Hey, are you okay? What's going on? And, and then I start going to this leader and I find out the common thread is this one leader. And, um, her name was Renee. And I just, I began talking with her and I said, Renee, what's the deal here? And she said, well, I'm just, I'm just kind of frustrated because I need to be able to do my own thing here. And I said, okay, well, what's your own thing? Like you run a whole home group of kids. What, what else do you need? And she goes, well, I just, you told me that I needed to make sure to let you know if I took all these kids to Atlanta 30 minutes away and that they needed to sign permission slips. And I went, yeah, because you're taking them to a major metropolitan area. <laughs> I was like, this is, these kids are my responsibility. She's like, well, I just think that's dumb. I'm totally in control of it. I get it. And it, this went on for like two months and finally just found out she ended up walking away from the church, this, that church and went to another one. Um, but we ended up finding out and we asked over and over these questions and it, we had to get all of the leaders in this group because she had been sowing all these seeds. And it, here's what it turned out. She wasn't okay just being her and serving and loving kids. It had to be her way or the highway. And I had compromised enough till I was bent over backwards saying, 
yes, you can do this, you can do this. I want you to be able to be comfortable. But it turned out at the end of the day, unless she was running everything, it wasn't yeah, going to work. That's, right? they're, they're bought into themselves. They're not bought into the church, 100%. which is another yeah. question to ask. Are they, are they bought into the church? Or in, in changing these to, to provoke a little more thought than just a yes-no <laughs> type of a question, how are they bought into the church? Where do you see evidence yeah. that they are bought into the 100%. church? And and so you're you're kind of doing your own internal evaluation yeah. of your volunteers. These are the kinds of questions that you ought to be asking. How mm-hmm. okay, Joe who serves in this ministry, how is he bought into the church? Well, man, Joe does this, this, this and this and mm-hmm. um, he is he is fully bought into yep. it. Great. You you got a great volunteer or hey, how does how does Jane buy into the church? I don't. I don't really know. Okay, yeah. there's a red flag. There's something. Well, it doesn't mean you kick Jane out. That's right? what that's, I was going to say. You, yeah. It doesn't mean you're removing them, yep. and it doesn't mean that you go to them and say, Jane, I can't think of one good thing that you're doing for the church, so we're going to have to sit down and talk about this. Yeah. It's not that either. That's not what a red flag is. So let, no. let's let's not. A red flag is that is a moment of caution, and it can also become. I was going to say, like you were saying, it could be a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. You might just find somebody with great. So I've talked about a couple of malicious people, and honestly, like. Ninety-five percent of the volunteers I've had over fifteen years have been wonderful. They're not malicious. F- no. Yeah, five percent maybe are cause it feels like two hundred percent problems. But right. and that's why it's so crucial what we're talking about. But most of the time, your job is to be bringing in volunteers that are growing and that you can develop and invest in. And so maybe you just find somebody like one of the things that's dangerous that becomes dangerous is hey, so why are you serving with student ministry? I just love the kids. I do it for the kids. Okay, well that's. I love what you're saying, but you, you don't need to be doing it just for the kids because if you do it for the kids, you're going to get really disappointed and angry because sometimes those kids don't love you back. But let's do it because, you know, Jesus made a huge impact in your life in this age. And let's talk about how he's informing that. I mean, that's, been, that's a huge one, yeah. especially in student ministry, because kids ministry is a little bit different, but it can still be similar. Uh, I found with student ministry, students have a tendency to, it's a very scary thing because they'll connect very quickly. Ron Luce used to say, whether it's a drug dealer or a student worker, students will gravitate towards the closest loving adult. And so, but I, I watched a whole senior class of kids that were not discipled well and had toxic leaders walk away from the church because a student pastor left mm-hmm. and that was it. And that's a, a really sad and difficult thing. So it's a, well, it can be a teaching moment, too. Absolutely. Um, it should be first. And, and so I think, I mean, as an added bonus, some of your examples, Ian, so far have been if you're new to uh, an environment. True. So just a, a freebie I'm going to throw out there. If you're new in a, a church setting, Free. one of the first things you ought to be doing is scheduling as many breakfasts, yes. lunches, or coffees absolutely. with your volunteers. And you ask them these questions. Hey, in your you've been here a lot yeah. longer than I have. Right. What is what's the mission of the of the church, and how does the ministry where yeah. you serve how how is that serving the mission of the church as a whole? And yeah. you're asking those kind of questions of your volunteers, which helps give you a little bit of a gauge on, yeah, this guy gets it, or mm-hmm. this guy has no clue, or you know, she's she understands yep. what the point of this is, and and she's really getting after that, or <clears throat> maybe she does. She's just in this for you know, some other ulterior motive kind of a, and you a will thing. Find, so you're going you're gonna to get a good pulse on your volunteer oh, status absolutely. that way by doing that. And the more that you're connecting with this, this works whether you've been, so I'd been at a church for about two years and I was still connecting one of the closest friends we've ever had. And they don't even remember this story. I remember it because it was the first time I ever got really nervous and scared in a conversation. I was in an Applebee's, which is scary enough, but we were, we were sitting there and I just remember I, if you can't tell, I could have a tendency to say things that are inappropriate or taken poorly. Um, I'm working on it. I'm better than I was 10 years ago, but not great always. But either way, I had made some comments about, not about people, but just like, I think one of them was somebody said, are we canceling? Now, granted, some of this, I was young and this came down from leadership. And so I just spit it out and the leadership was stupid and I was stupid and we should have just moved on. But we didn't cancel home groups for Mother's Day. And so because uh, oddly enough, this this pastor didn't want anybody having bigger events than he used to have when he was a pastor is what it turned out to be. But he essentially said, we've got 52 days, 52 or 50 weeks a year or something like that, 50, 48 weeks a year that we can be investing in kids. And so we are, we're not taking off for Mother's Day. We're not taking off. for. The, so I just said, what are you going to want off next? Flag Day? That was not the right thing to say to a mother in a hall. <laughs> 
that was that was one of the not advisable. No, I, so I would I would recommend to be as neutral as possible until you have to be. Um, what I would say now is, you know, that's a good thought. Let me look at that, and then I think does because canceling on Mother's Day really cause that big of a deal? No. So, but either way. Uh, I remember that that and several other things, things I hadn't even said, just things that they didn't know about me. I met with this mom, this, this group of parents and it got real heated and like, not like yelling or it, but got really heated in this conversation. And I just said, and my statement was, I don't know what you want me to do. We're moving in this direction. I'm doing my best here, but this is where I have to go. And this is also where I think we should go. I want to do my best here. And that's all I said. And I said, so that's all I got. And we ended it. We were done. The husband was fine. The wife was very irritated. And I cannot tell you, two weeks later, I got a call from them. They said, you know what? We appreciate that. We appreciate the honesty and where you're going. And we want to join with you. And they've been some of our closest supporters now. They've been some of our closest friends. But it's funny that if we're not, like Michael's saying, if we're even if we're not new, if we're not constantly spending, because the bigger your ministry gets, it should get smaller. So if it's growing in number, it should get smaller to you because you should be adding more leaders. And then you're focusing as much on your leaders as you are on your kids or mm-hmm. on your small groups of adults or whatever. And so it is. It's really important to do that. I think yeah. that's a great piece of advice, Michael. I think we also, as we're evaluating uh, volunteers and we're learning to recognize red flags, one yep. of the uh, one of the other questions we need to ask is, does this volunteer, do they have a knack for learning? Like, are they open yeah, to learning? Are they huge. are they looking to to grow and to learn, well, and that's or is it the approach of? I already know how to do this ministry yeah. and I've been doing this for 20 years and nobody's going to tell me how to do it differently. <sighs> Absolutely. There's a potential red flag in that. I, right? I'll share some of my own negativity since you're not sharing any of your problems. I'll share mine, Michael. Just kidding. I just have more problems, but either way, uh, <laughs> the, you know, I remember, so most pastors are people pleasers by nature. That's kind of what gets us into this. I'm not saying all are, but I will tell you my response. So I had to really learn and still have to remind myself. I think Mark Twain or Samuel Clemens had a great quote that said, um, never let a fool drag you into the mud and beat you with experience and, or that a fool will drag you into the mud and beat you with experience. And so I fell into that trap over and over and I would have people tell me, well, I've been doing this for 25 years. And, and I did. And I'd have them tell me that they've been doing this long and I can't, they can't understand it. And I just need to listen. And, and I'd say, well, you know what? I've been doing that. And here's the deal. At the end of the day, the measuring game, it only leaves everybody hurt and broken and irritated. And what I should have just said was, and eventually I did in some cases, but you know what? I love that you've been doing it that long, but that's just not the way we're doing it. And if you can't jump on board with what we're doing, then we need to find a place where you can. And so, you know, but often that is if you if you come from somebody from the beginning, even from recruiting them on and they're all about telling you all the things that they know and they've done. That's another conversation. Mm -hmm. It may not be a conversation that excludes them from serving, but it may be a really great opportunity for them to work through some stuff that because you do the same thing. We're always trying to prove whatever we feel inadequate about. Maybe we don't feel like we have enough experience. Maybe we're too prideful about our own experience or maybe we're afraid that we're not going to look like we know what we're doing. And so we're always having to talk about something. And it kind of makes me laugh. It's kind of like when we all roll our eyes at the guy who went, who's like 50 and goes, back in high school, I was an amazing football player. Well, dude, you have a pathetic life now because you've had 30 (laughs) years to do something else and all you were. And so, you know, don't be that guy. Yeah. Don't be Uncle Um, Rico. Uncle Rico. Uh, So we need to be asking, are they learning? And by the way, turning it back on you, pastors, are you training? Are you teaching? Are you giving them opportunities to learn? But but (laughs) another another thing that we we need to be asking Mm -hmm. and looking for is is my volunteer continually being critical of other volunteers or of of staff members right and and if they are then then you've got a red flag you got you got a problem there and and it's safe to live by the status that if they are being critical of a lot of other people they're the same way about you and and the same way about everybody sure that's a that's a bigger problem um than it may seem it you know it, it can be a a it can seem benign at times, right? Sure. That that they're just well, they just don't like the way we did that, or or you know this volunteer just doesn't get along with this volunteer, or yeah. um, this volunteer doesn't get along with this staff member, which was sure 
had a situation like that several years ago, had a, a staff member, a pastor who was on my team, oversaw a, the kids ministry. Mm-hmm. And he had a whole team of volunteers that worked with him. And one in particular, there was a couple that didn't really get along with him, which yeah, was a absolutely. staff red flag that a handful of volunteers under this pastor's ministry didn't like this pastor. Some red flags, some things I needed sure. to address there. Um, but one in particular did not really get along at all with yeah. this pastor. And, and I kind of just chalked it up to... Yeah, it's just a personality thing, and it's not not a big deal. And I didn't it address wasn't. it, and and it finally came to a head with a screaming match, and we had to involve multiple people. And yeah. it just, I mean, it was, it got it got ugly. Fans were hairy, and there were red flags that should have been addressed by right. me as the leader, um, well before it got to that point. Sure, and um, and I didn't. So speaking from experience. When you have a situation like this where you have a volunteer who is critical of others continually, not just a, you know, if it's a once in a while thing, we're all going to be critical of stuff Mm -hmm. once in a while. But if it's a week in, week out, why do we do this? I don't like that. I can't believe they do this. If I was running it, it would look like this. Or they're just intentionally doing something opposite. You know, this pastor said to do this, but I'm doing this instead because I think this is the better way to go. Those are real red flags that, that you need to pay attention to. Uh, and and address how do you so how do you handle let's just say this too because I, I have my thought but how do you handle when a volunteer they're not necessarily a critical person but let's just be honest you've got a head pastor who what they're saying is valid to you and you agree with their how critical they are what's a wise way to handle that because you don't want to lie you don't want to tell them to do something they shouldn't i've had i've just had multiple situations where there were some red flags with a head pastor and people generally we're being very uh, there's unrest about that and how do you know what i mean yeah oh no help me help me understand you you're you're on staff you're working for yeah. this so, lead okay, pastor so, and so church this, members are coming to you with problems say, about the lead pastor yeah or they yeah they're frustrated about him and they may not even want you to do anything they're just complaining about it i think that 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 can just be a very easy way as a leader to we need to know how to address it and how to address it appropriately and how to not not uh, hurt our integrity because we don't want to lie either. But that I think that happens a lot. That's happened a lot with me. Mm-hmm. And so it tends the way that I would handle it too, that I've had, there are, I think everybody needs about two or three people that they can be 100% honest with, good, bad, or ugly. And you have to be very careful when you choose them and it needs to be over time. But outside of that, you know, I wouldn't always agree. And later it turned out when that pastor got pushed out of his church because he was awful um, long after I was gone. It was it was all founded, but I would have people that would come up and say, "Well, I I disagree with all these different things," and my response generally to them would be, "Well, you know what? Pastors are people. You're not always going to agree with everything. You need to evaluate if you can trust his heart or not. If you believe you can trust the pastor's heart, then stay. If you mm-hmm. don't, then you need to move somewhere else." But I do think I don't know. I hear yeah, you that's... saying that, and that's a side note. But I think that. Sometimes pastors, sometimes we fall into the trap of going, somebody finally sees it like I do. And then we, and it's a dangerous thing for you to reinforce. Very dangerous. And and so you don't, don't, you don't engage in that. Don't Don't, sell out your pastor. And here's the deal. If you don't have, if you don't have the peace or the cojones to address this with your pastor person to person, then you don't need to be talking about it. Yeah. Or, or send, or tell that volunteer who's coming to you with complaints about the senior pastor. Yeah. First thing you need to do is go talk to the senior pastor. Right. And if they're not willing to do that, then it's not that big of an issue. Right. Um, but yes, it, it ultimately comes down to, do you trust the heart of that lead pastor? Sure. You're not going to agree with every decision. But if you trust their heart, mm-hmm. I can I can agree to disagree on on some decisions, right? Sure. But if, if at the point when you don't trust the, their heart any longer, then you, then you gotta. And you just need to be careful when you problem. handle that, even if it's something you agree with. But you with. still, yes, you you yeah. don't you don't tear down your pastor. You don't to, throw him under the bus uh, to somebody else. That you just yeah. you just don't do that. That's different than when we've talked about um, how the anointing of the pastor is one thing. But anyway, that right. just happens. A yeah. Lot. So I think to wrap up some of our our recognizing red flags questions. Yeah. Um, one of the ones that we need to to think about, and this kind of goes to us, or are we creating the red flag, is Uh-oh. the reason for why you're recruiting this volunteer in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Did you Are you recruiting this volunteer because 
they have shown spiritual growth. They've shown fruit. They, they are maturing yeah. believers in Christ. Or are you recruiting them because you need a warm body and you're going to hope that someday they're going to become spiritual, yeah. spiritually mature, right? Like this right. is, and, and we do this because, I, and I get it. Yep. We got to have kids volunteers, kids. We do never, no church sure. ever has enough kids volunteers. Right. And so we've got to have some warm bodies to put in these rooms. Hey, you're breathing. Go, go, sir. <laughs> you, you pass a background check, go serve in there. You're alive. And, and so we, we kind of take this missionary dating approach to volunteering, right? Yeah. Like you're not spiritually mature. In fact, I don't even know if you know Jesus, but I need people to serve in in teaching our <laughs> teaching the Bible to teenagers or teaching the Bible to our, our kids or that's you can read. Come on, that can that can be be a problem. And I'm not saying every person who serves in your church has to be you know a mature Christ follower. But what you want to see is a you want to see some signs of growth, yeah. and you're helping people grow even more. <laughs> I think one thing. Otherwise, there's potential red flags that are going to come up. Which, by the way, another red flag: if they can't articulate their faith journey, if they can't tell you, "Hey, yes, this this is how I came to know Christ, and and this is where I'm growing, and and this is where I'm at right now." If they can't tell you that, then you got you've got a red flag. I think no. I mean, you're 100, percent and it's you cannot. You will do that volunteer and yourself the disservice. If and and here's the other thing is this too. I've seen a lot of people. We tend to put a lot. We set standards and say, well, you have to know all of these eighteen things. I don't think that that's a healthy place to be. No. What I think is healthy. So I have even here at our church that we serve at. Um, I have new volunteers, and here's what I hear from them. I've never done student ministry before. I don't know if I can handle this. I've never done kids ministry before. I've never done that. Well, then we talk though, and when we we know them personally, we say, but. Your life, you are continually growing and have been growing in your faith. This is another step for growing because you're called to disciple. And so look for a pattern of growth. Don't necessarily look for a checklist. Granted, if background checks are on there, then you should definitely have and, that as a checklist. They should be. <laughs> yeah. If you're all, um, yeah. If you're not taking background checks, you need to wake up, and that's just that's stupid. Yes, you need you need. And to I, but I've that. met people like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so, so what should we consider though before? So we have these red flags. Yeah. So we, we found some red flags. Yeah. We know we need to do something about this. Yeah. What should we consider but personally before you go grab that person and say, "All right, Joe." I see some red flags in what you're Don't doing. Don't do the shotgun approach. Let's sit down and talk about this. Yeah. Now let me think about what I'm going to say to Joe. Right, Ready, fire, aim. We need to, we <clears> need to <throat> think through uh, and have a well-reasoned and rationalized approach to yeah. coming uh, coming to these problems, right? And, sure. and I would say the first thing we need to do is a bit of self-evaluation. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> is this a problem with me? Yeah. That, uh, that I just, you know, Ian's serving in my ministry, and I see all these red flags with Ian— but do I need to stop and evaluate? Okay, is my problem actually with Ian? Like, is it a personality thing? Probably. Is it is it <clears throat> is it something he said six months ago that's been eating at me, and and now I've just kind of built up some bitterness. I've forgotten about uh, it about him, and and it's not actually a red flag right. with what he's doing, his his performance, the right way he's serving. Maybe there's jealousy in there. There's, like you're yeah, irritated with how good they're doing something. You're like, no, yeah. There's some self evaluation that we need to do first and foremost. Right. Make sure the problem isn't isn't with us. It's a great way to do um, that is to have an objective voice in your life uh, that, is, that loves you, that will be honest with you. Not in the situation you're in that gains or loses right. by what you do, but somebody that you can just say, hey, here's where I think we're at. What do you think? You know me. So I, th- I think then once once we've cleared that hurdle, we need to consider some of the background and, and the context of that person serving. Have, have they served in this ministry right. a long time? Mm-hmm. Uh or are they brand new to it? Because if, if they're brand new to it and you've got some red flags, yeah. well, it's probably because they just don't know any better, right? Like, hey, we, we can't we can't talk to kids that way, right? Like, let's not do that. Um, oh, man. So maybe it's something like that. So you need to consider how long of, of time, how yeah. much experience they have serving and, and in that And here's the deal, area. though. If there's a, here's what I've, there's a lot of fear with pastors. I think, and a lot there has been with me at least when things like that happen. That my first response is, "Oh crap, I've done something wrong. Somebody's gonna go." You don't need to be that way. If it is a new person, you just need to walk alongside. What do you? I mean, you're not gonna lose anything. What What I think I love that Michael's saying though is, and this is where often we've come. You may be at the, have been at the church for five or six years or brand new, but there are people that have been doing it at that church 
for so long, they just resist and will not do anything else. Mm -hmm. And so you need to sit there and think, maybe, and I've said this to people and they didn't like it. And they would even tell me later, like, I don't like being with old people. And I was like, well, you are an old people. So (laughs) that's just your people. But But they had served in student ministry so long, they wondered why in the world boys and girls don't have separate swim times in our camps. And I went, okay, well, 1980s, it's time that we maybe look at it differently. But, but sometimes they would change and they'd come with you and sometimes they would refuse. Um, but yeah, that has a huge bearing on it. I think another one too is their personality. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you have an A personality and you throw it in a C job and they don't fit, not by like level, but just squares and red, you know, and round holes. And so you need to make sure too, that you're helping those people. One, every volunteer should know, I think, um, and it's always been the case. If you don't fit in this particular place or you don't give it some time, but if you feel like you're never going to fit there, then let's, we're not going to say you're not going to serve. We're going to find another place where you can. Yeah. That's why when we do student, when I do student camps or when I've done kids camps or done anything like that or retreats, sometimes people don't need to be leaders. They need to be logistics people, but they still need to be there. Well, and there's, there's another aspect of this, the personality thing that you need to consider some of it is what their personality is like, yeah. and and you know if they're a blunt, ab- abrasive personality, and don't use them for counseling ministry, and and you need to have a conversation <laughs> with them about the way they're talking to to yeah. kids or whatever. Sure, uh, there's that side of the personality, but there's also the side of the personality where you're evaluating based on what I know of their personality. How do I need to approach this mm-hmm. conversation? That's a, good, that's a wise right? thing. Yeah. So if if I'm so like I, I had a, a pastor that worked on my team that was he was very singularly focused and like I would try to to like gently bring things yeah. up and like hey maybe we should try you know fixing this or maybe we shouldn't do that or you yeah. know doing the the gentle approach and every time it was just right over his head couldn't see the forest and the finally uh, yeah. and and then I would come back to him like hey remember we talked about this he's like we did I don't I don't think and eventually we figured I mean, out that he was a very direct person. Yeah. And if I didn't say, Ian, don't do this ever again, it wasn't really he didn't get it, right? And, yeah. and so you got to understand the personality coming into it. Is it a personality where you need to be more direct? Sure. Or is it a personality where if you are very direct, you're going to hurt their feelings and you're going to cause problems there. You need to take a softer approach. So evaluate Absolutely. their personality as you're getting into how you have these these conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah I, think, I think you also need to to consider their synergy with other volunteers in that ministry right so yeah okay i've identified a red flag with susie there's mm-hmm. there's there's some things we need to have a conversation about how does susie relate to other volunteers have other volunteers come to me and right. said hey susie's doing this and i don't think that's okay and several of them have have said that then that gives you a little more confidence that, yeah, this is a problem that needs to be right. addressed. Or if, you know, people only ever sing Susie's praises, then m- maybe it's a, okay, maybe it is a me. Let's go back to the self-evaluation yeah. step or it's a personality thing or. Or how you deal with we, it. We just important. need, those yeah. are some things that we need to, that we need to, to consider, right? Well, here's, and so I think the last one of these rolls into the response, which is the last section of this. And. Uh, this is a personal, personally is a big one for me. Um, make sure that you focus on doing what's right rather than listening to the wrong voices. And and here's what I mean by that. Um, I, I have had the most trouble dealing with a, with a, a volunteer. And here's, here's why this is so important is that, um, you know, first Corinthians says very clearly in 1533, that bad company or bad morals corrupt good company. And that's kind of this idea that if we leave something festering continually, it will spread. Mm-hmm. And disunity is the worst of all possible outcomes for the church, which is sad because that's what we find most issues with. Um, but often, whether if you're a head pastor, then I'd like to, you know, the three P's are important. Are you a pastor? Are you a prostitute? Or are you a politician? Uh, are you just there to give people what they want because they give you a tithe and you make them feel good like a prostitute? Or are you a politician who you're just trying to make everybody happy and, and make sure everybody. platform gets bigger? And Or are you a pastor? Because we tend to do an, go in extremes, and there's a middle ground with this where sometimes you have to kill wolves to protect your sheep. Sometimes you have to 
break a sheep's leg <laughs> to help them the same way that the Lord does with us. But you don't just go break every sheep's leg. <laughs> There's a problem. I mean, we've got to balance this out. And I had more problems. I tried to do it out of prudence. What I found is that it just caused me issues. And so I remember going to multiple pastors at multiple churches. And the worst situations I've ever had with volunteers were when the pastors would say, ah, just wait, just let it, it'll work itself out. Well, I knew it wouldn't, but I went, well, okay. And then I had a hellish four or five months because that was the recurring thing was getting calls from these people, having these people. I mean, at one point I got called at and screamed at for half an hour. My wife was in the car with me and broke down into tears and because the pastor wouldn't be honest with him and have my back and I wouldn't be honest. And yet we'd have conversations in private and they'd go, yeah, that's a huge problem. And I think the worst one was one of the last churches I was at. I waited an entire nine months trying to give grace. And this, and this pastor said, man, you just don't, don't even worry about it. They'll just, eventually you're going to raise this thing so much higher. Well, the ministry doubled in growth, but it also quadrupled in pain because this person didn't want to handle it. Well, we got to months around the road and I just said, Hey, pastor, I got to do this. I got to take care of this. I'm just like, I'm giving you a heads up. I'm going to lovingly, and we're going to, I used what we're talking about after this, but I just had to let him go out of the ministry. And then I heard the next week in a sermon, well, it says in first Corinthians, don't ever let problems fester. We don't do that here at this church. And I went, I've been doing it for nine months because of you. And so don't listen to, if you know that something is right, you need to focus on being right with those people and doing the right thing in a kind way. So Michael, how do we, re- this kind so, of rolls right in. Yeah, how do we respond? So a couple, couple of things we can do. One, like you're saying, we need to respond quickly. And that, that we know that it's not mean, just a red flag, but it's a problem. Yeah. So you, you you run to the problem and and you fix it. That doesn't right. mean that you're you know you're quick shoot McGraw Ready, and fire aim. and you as soon as right. you see a problem you just pounce on it and you're like attacking it and and you come across as a jerk when you do that right like it's there true. there is there is some prudence Experience. in handling these things well yeah um, but one of the things that you're gonna do is you're gonna uh, approach it quickly you're quickly. not just gonna let it fester. Uh, you're going to approach right. it honestly. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to be honest in, hey, this this is what I see happening. Yeah. This is a problem, and, and I'm out of respect for you. Yeah. I'm bringing this to you, and we're going to have an honest conversation Well, the, the third it. one informs the, the second one, and that's you do it lovingly. And you do so lovingly. Yeah. You don't sugarcoat it, but you don't have to make it blunt. I right. mean, with that, you can just say, listen. And I think you even started out, listen, I love you. I am so thankful for everything that you're doing in this ministry. But I'm noticing a few of the—I wouldn't even say but— And I'm noticing a few of these things that aren't okay. Take some time. You know, one great, uh, Whitney, um, your wife, my sister, um, who is an excellent counselor, kind of turned me on to the idea of writing down what you think you need to say in this conversation and taking some time to read over and look at it. Because sometimes we just freeze in conversations and end up saying really dumb things or rolling on or causing problems and and we said, you know, just write some stuff down. I mean, we need to think about it in the same way. If a doctor knew you had a tumor, he wouldn't immediately, he wouldn't cut on you that afternoon <laughs> and start doing surgery. They need to take some time to triage it. And so as we do that, I mean, you can love, you don't need to say, well, you're a gossip and you're ridiculous and I'm getting sick and tired of it. Get out of here. That would mm-hmm. feel great for about 10 minutes and then it wouldn't produce rest. So say it in love. Yeah. Um, so we want to say it lovingly and we want to say it clearly, right? Like It's huge. It, this isn't where one of those things where when you're having the conversation, you're like, uh, I mean, there are some problems. Let's, let's try and be better. There's okay? some issues. Like, that's very vague, right? <laughs> Vagueness is not your friend yeah. when you are responding to red flags. Right. Uh, when, you, when you have the, the, the lovingness and the, the honesty yes. um, and you're approaching it quickly, the other piece to this is make sure that you're doing so clearly that you are... Everyone involved in the conversation understands exactly what is yeah. what the problem is, what's at stake, and what what needs to happen to fix it. And and that that goes to the last piece of this, and we'll wrap up for today. Yeah, uh, is that there needs to be a plan to move forward, right? Absolutely. It's not just a hey, Ian, we need to talk about something that I've noticed. Yeah. I do, I'm doing this lovingly, but I'm going to be honest yeah. with you because I respect you. Here's the problem. You know, you're doing A, B, or C, and I need you to do X, Y, or Z. Right. Good meeting. See you Move next on. time. Well, 
there, there needs to be a little There's, more conversation, a little more clarity around, okay, well, so how do we move yeah. forward from here? What what next steps do I need to take? How do I... If you catch somebody too, this so yeah, that plan needs to be... That plan, I think you need to, as you think through it, you have to kind of do this in the moment. But it's important to know that you need, one, you need to end with hope rather than shame, right? Don't need to leave somebody and go. So, I mean, the plan doesn't need to just be you're gone and they're gone. But one really important thing is you're talking with them. And, and one thing to say is that the plan is not up for negotiation necessarily. If you believe that it may be in certain contexts, but I remember if you have a leader that you do need to remove, that it doesn't need to be, well, hey, here's the thing. And, and I would even end it this way. What I think is a really good way is this doesn't mean you're gone forever. What I really, as your pastor, as a shepherd, we need to take a break for so long. And then you can come back. So if you can take a break for six months and then work on some stuff and actually just get healthy because I don't think there's some health there. And then I want you to come back. I'm not banishing you. Um, you know, I've, I've said those things and talked to the leaders hoping it would go well. And then it goes, well, let's let's they go. Let's do it this way. And I'd mm-hmm. go, no, no, no. I'm loving you enough to not put this up to debate. Because it was like, how about we not take a break? And I just do all the things I was doing before. Middle ground and yes. compromise. Um, but you, how you end it, you do, you're not necessarily the cause of the problem if you're dealing with it. But how you end it is up to you. And um, as well as how they receive that, that's not your call. But all you can do is lovingly tell them, hey, this is the plan I have to help you and the plan that we're going to enact. And... I don't want to see you hurt or shamed or gone. And I would even make sure they know this stays between us. So if I hear about it or you hear about this conversation, it's going to be because you said something about it and it got around to you, but I'm not going to do that and moving on. So, so, so that's hopefully that's some helpful tidbits for you Mm -hmm. as, as you're thinking about volunteers, Volunteers. you're, you're recognizing some red flags by asking these questions and doing an evaluation of your volunteer team Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out, where where the unhealthy spots may be. Yeah. Uh, once you've identified those, and you're gonna you're gonna figure out, okay, here are some things I need to factor into this and prepare for how I respond to it. And then ultimately, there's uh, a handful of ways, some tips there for how you actually respond to it. So hopefully, this has been helpful to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, love you all, and we will like that's it. talk may, to you next time. May your coffee stay hot and your ministry stay healthy. Yeah. All right. See y'all. Bye y'all. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors podcast today. We hope that you found it not only encouraging, but beneficial that you have people in your corner doing ministry. Here's what we'd love for you to do. If you'd subscribe, review, and share our podcast, that would mean the world to us, and it'd help as many pastors to hear and be encouraged just like you were. G6 is also supported by partners and allies like you who are willing to financially give and be a part of this ministry with us. So if you feel like you'd like to be a part of this with us, just go to g6allies.com slash partner. And we'd love for you to become our ally in our mission to serve pastors and their families. If you have questions, comments, or just want to talk more with us about your particular ministry needs, just email us at hello at g6allies.com. We can't wait to see you next time for our next episode.